Okay, so today we're continuing the conversation about money. Now, sometimes when we talk about money, funny things happen in our hearts. The very first day we started talking about money, it was just a funny feeling in the room. And I don't know if that was something that was in my heart coming out, a fear of talking about money, a fear of maybe, oh, what are people going to think? that We're meant to be a welcoming church, we're meant to be a warm church, and you're talking about money? Or I don't know if there was fear in the room. My suspicion is this. When Jesus talks about money, he talks about money, um, well, he talks a lot about money, actually. But one expression of money is he talks about money as a master. And the Bible invites us, God invites us, not to have money as a master, but Jesus as a master. And Jesus is a wonderful master. Money, not so much. But the only thing is about money. Money is not like that king who fell in love with the American lady years gone by and gave up his throne because of love. Money does not like to abdicate. Money will not go easy off the throne. So if money has been, is master of your life, ladies and gentlemen, there may be some turbulence. There may be some tussle, some wrestling or reality. There'll probably be some more cage fighting in the room as we talk about money. See, the thing is about money, is money, like recapping from a few weeks ago, when we first started talking about money, we talked about, as we talk about money, we're actually just talking about our hearts. So money could easily be turned and just say, let's just talk about our hearts. Let's talk about our security. Let's talk about our identity. Let's talk about what really matters and what's really going on here. It's talking about where our security is and where our security isn't. And then we said uh, the following week that money is a wonderful, um, a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. So I have um, two bits of money here, which are um, just very simple. Um, they've got the number 10 on them, and I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of 10 pounds, and a picture of our Queen and Mr. Darwin on the back. And this here is a, is a terrible master. For this money to be whispering in my ears and to be dictating to my life is really, really hard work. And it's not going to end well. But if I say, hold on, money, you no longer have master, you're not my master, but I'm master of you. Money becomes a wonderful, wonderful servant. And when I can start telling money what to do for me, things begin to shift. So, we are practical people here at Carlisle Vineyard. We're not just talking today about education and getting more facts in our heads. We want God to speak to us through our heads, into our hearts, but to such an extent that it reaches our fingertips and our toes. So, would you like to be involved in an experiment? All right. Okay. I am... Um, this is just... Um, very simple. I'm involved in a, a wonderful charity that is involved in South Africa. And this charity has an um, amazing track record. One of the trustees, which is not me, 
has um, finance. And what he has chosen to do, he says, I'm going to pay all of the administration fees in and around this charity. So whatever is given to this charity, 100% of it goes direct to the schools, to the kids, to the families, to the projects in need. I've had the incredible opportunity twice now to go and see these projects. I've sat in classrooms with kids who've had literally nothing. I've witnessed before my very eyes opening my suitcase and giving the t-shirt that Noah gave to a child. And the headmistress calls this child in. She says, I know who this is for. Calls this child in. And she gives this second-hand t-shirt to this child. And this child is just blown away that somebody would be so kind to give them a second-hand t-shirt worth probably 50p. And she said to me that this child will cherish this because it's a gift. And it's probably the most valuable thing that he has. So what I'm saying there is I completely trust this charity and I can stand saying I know where this money goes. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show this money what to do. Would anybody like to be part of an experiment? What we're going to do is I'm going to put some money we've you know, at Calvin Yard, we're always trying to mature up and grow up as well. And when it comes to things like finance, we wanted to make sure, if we're going to be lifting an offering, we always wanted to make sure we had something to, um, that would match our maturity. So these are our new uh, joy boxes or joy bags. Say hello! <laughs> this also gets rid of any religious spirit in the room. A religious spirit cannot stay in the room when we're talking about this as well. So, if you would like to be part of this, what we're going to do, why don't you take, if you've any money, why don't you take it out of your pocket and say, money, I want you to bring life and hope to kids in South Africa. What we'll do, we'll bank the money tomorrow, we'll do a bank transfer tomorrow, and we will send um, an email tomorrow And we'll hear back by the end of the week with hopefully some pictures where this money has gone. Would anybody like to be involved in that? Okay. What would it? Rob, would you mind start um, passing these um, mature boxes boxes around for that? No guilt at all in any way. Um, If you if you don't have anything with you, that's okay. We also will take IOUs if you want, but you don't have to. There's no shame on that as well. But this is a beautiful story. And what we'll try to do uh, next week as we finish talking about money, wouldn't that be amazing just to tell some of the stories about what you have done today to make a difference there. So, this is a problem because time has gone and notes haven't even been started. But it is an interesting thing about money, isn't it? Money brings up fear. And this is no little thing that we're talking about today. Here's what I have a sense that God's wanting to do today. It's a little bit like Jesus is on a bus. And he's the driver of the bus. And there's a wonderful bell on the bus saying, Ding, ding! All aboard. And Jesus is like going around the city today. 
and there's three or four cul-de-sacs that he's going to visit. And he's going to get to the cul-de-sacs, ring the bell twice, ding, ding, and invite people to get on the bus. And you may be thinking, well, I'm in the cul-de-sac, but where's the bus going? He says, well, we're going to go around a couple of cul-de-sacs, and then we're going to end up at a street called Generous. Because Jesus is wanting to do something in this city so that we're a gift to the nations. We're working towards helping this city become the most generous city in the world. Let people talk about Carlisle as a generous city. So we're going to start with my heart, your heart, allowing Jesus to be master and not money. And we're going to invite Jesus to come. And as he comes around the different cul-de-sacs, there's an opportunity for us to get on board or not get on board. And he's going to take us to a street called Generous. And I'll talk about that in a few moments. In fact, no, let me talk about that now. This street called Generous is beautiful. It's lush. It's green. It was once a desert and a wasteland, but now it's like the favorite street in the city. No one is poor on the street. No one. No one has strangling debt on the street called generous. People who are hungry turn up and get fed and watered at the street called generous. People are loaned money with no interest in a street called generous. Homes are given away on the street called generous. People are, broken, are breaking out of the benefit thing into a new way of living on a street called generous. And this street is so generous, it cannot help but overflow and impact the rest of the city. So I don't know what cul-de-sac you or I are in today. But Jesus is on the way around. I can hear the bus. It's starting up. It's an old-school double-decker, a bit like Cliff Richard going on a summer holiday. The tunes are beginning to play, and the wheels are in motion. And he's coming to a cul-de-sac near you. So what's the first cul-de-sac that he's going to come to? Well, the first cul-de-sac is called despair. I was going to call it debt, but I thought debt's not enough. It's just called despair. You, for whatever reason, like, when even now you're talking about money, and you're like, Andy, you have no idea how hard it is for me right now. I just want to get up and leave. And if I wasn't so embarrassed and shameful about this, I would have walked out. But I wouldn't want anybody to know just how far a mess I am in right now. But I want to let you know that you are not alone in this. And you may be thinking, the street called generous? For me to be even be generous, it's way too far away for me where I am right now. This is my friend Phil. Phil is like one of the most... Well, how would you describe Phil? How, he's kind. 
sensible. But a little bit crazy too. How else would you describe Phil Askew? Good taste in food. Always willing to help. A good dad. Inspirer. Good friend. A joy carrier. Practical. Awesome dad jokes. Lots of fun. Is this awkward enough for you now, Phil? Yeah, we're getting there. Phil, would you, would you come? For those who are not part of Carlisle Vineyard, this is how we talk about people, whether to their faces or behind their backs as well. So, Phil, love you, man. Um, this, this is our friend, Phil. Phil is one of the most kind, practical, generous people I've ever met. Phil lives squarely with his lovely wife, our Laura, and the mighty Benjamin. And name, where's name? She, she's in there. Uh, and name, they live squarely on Generous Street. In fact, they are one of the first people there. But Phil, this generous life that you have has not always been your story, has it? No. Uh, so I got a message from Andy yesterday asking for two minutes to give my story about uh, my journey with finances. So that could be tricky, so I'm going to blast on. Basically, years ago, probably about 10, 15 years ago, something like that, that disappears and the amounts disappear. I was in probably somewhere in the region of about £17,000 worth of debt um, just through bad management of my finances, not like not like I'd bought anything in particular. It was one of the really embarrassing things when I started to talk to people about the debt that I was in at the time because in my head, somebody who's in £17,000 worth of debt would have fancy clothes, decent car, loads of stuff to show for it. I didn't. I'm pretty sure most of mine went on Haribo. But the fact of the matter is, the journey through it um, was just wasting it on tat, stuff that I didn't need, stuff that didn't help me out, and it's totally, it totally, what happened was, is it stifled my gen- ability to be gen- generous. Because any money that came into my bank account from my employer immediately then was scooped out in paying off what I probably should have paid the month before. Things like bank charges. I mean, pe- my postman must have wondered why on earth Halifax loved me so much to send me at least 15 letters a, a week or whatever it was. But it was, and it just, it was a snowball of disaster, my finances. And what I was at the time was like um, one of those animals that sticks their head in the ground. I just didn't want to even accept it for me. I didn't want anybody else to know it about me. And I wanted everyone else to think that I was doing fine. But I can still remember vividly one of the key bits of like the phobia and the fear and then I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room that's had this as you go and maybe for example you fill up your car with, with fuel and you walk into the forecourt and you get your card out of your wallet and as you're handing it over you're going come on come on you can do it please don't you have no idea how much money is in your bank when in fact you know how much well you know that there's none it's whether or not the bank are going to allow you to take more out was the case and for me my story was that of like, I was, I, I like helping people. I do like being generous, but I, I, it, it didn't enable me to do that. And when, as Andy said earlier, but people talk about money, you're just like, uh, 
Uh, they're talking about money again. I can't think about this. This is the thing that we ignore. This isn't the thing that we engage with. This is the thing that we bury our hand, head in the sand from. But it was the point in my life when I accepted that it was a total mess. I accepted that this couldn't go on. This was uh, like just a total disaster. And I'm so thankful because I was right on the edge. There'd been a few times, and I look back now, and I'm so thankful. And a few times I'd been onto those websites where they offer you an, uh, like a thousand pounds here and a thousand pounds there with like two billion percent APR or whatever it is. And I'm so thankful that, that I, I didn't go that, that direction, but I was so close and I, I've seen the damage that that can cause. But through accepting help, through accepting that that meant that I was not going to have money for a long, 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 long time has enabled me to completely clear all of that, completely, totally and utterly, which is just the most amazing thing. And to now be able to accept that like, money isn't a bad thing. Not managing your money is a bad thing. Being obsessed with your money is a bad thing. But money in and of itself isn't a bad thing. I bet every single one of us in here would love... I love that you're betting on this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 20 quid, 20 quid, yeah. No. I bet, not, I bet with my pride, oh, yeah. right, that anybody in here, if, they, if you had the opportunity, right, if you just discovered that you had a spare house that you didn't need mortgage-free and you met somebody who needed that house and you were able to go, there's the keys for a house, no strings attached, help yourself, that I bet with my pride, every single one in, in, in here would love to have the opportunity to do that. And that comes through having fi finances, doesn't it? That's because we've got money that you'd be able to do that. So if you're able to do that, that's not a bad thing. So having money is not a bad thing, but for me to realise was actually poorly managing your money, being obsessed with money, wasting it on rubbish is, is, is the bad thing. Um, so if I make sure that I answered the question you kind of asked. Uh, I don't know. I think I have. I just want to take a moment. <laughs> I, think, I think the other thing I wanted to say with it was, was that it is just, I, I, think, we're, I think we're ridiculous. Um, I'm just all about being offensive now. But I think we're ridiculous in the fact that we just, we we build these like walls up around us of our pride that we don't want other people to know the things that we're going through and that we're not honest with each other. But actually, I, I know for a fact because I've, when you've got money problems, you know, you find out you can spot other people that have got money problems as well. And people aren't honest about it. And the biggest thing for me, the breakthrough for me, was to go, actually, do you know what? I'm just going to be open about it. I have got money problems. And, I, and that was the biggest thing, was not just hiding it behind trying to be like everybody else. See ya. Phil, thank you so much. And what I love about Phil is his and Laura's story isn't just um, he's out of debt, because that's only half a story. That's like half a job Jesus. But Jesus isn't half a job Jesus. He's full job Jesus. And he takes stuff on to completion. So not only is Phil out of debt, but now he's headlong cascading into generosity. Now that is the gospel. That is the full story on it. As in, it's not just enough to be forgiven that we will forgive others. It's not just enough to be loved, but then we go on to love. It's the full story, not just half a story. So there's people in the room now, and you're like, oh, oh, I thought I was the only one in this. You know, even, even in worship, you feel like this... this 
um, you're struggling to worship because this debt is just crushing in on you. You you know, the fear of the letters coming, the phone calls coming. But I just want to let you know that there's hope for you. And hope is just a conversation away. We're not pretending that it's going to be all easy for you. Like Phil has had a long walk. But I had a sense early this morning that God wanted to say to someone, you're waiting for a windfall, but your freedom will come in a long walk. But there's an end to the walk, and one day you will declare, just like Phil has, that I am debt-free and I am generous. So, I want to let you know that this. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth. For his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. And God is a mountain-moving kind of God. He can rescue you if you want to be rescued. And I love this as well. Psalm 113. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. And he sets them amongst princes, even the princes of his own people. He gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. But isn't that beautiful? Where God himself comes in the muck and the mire, the mess and the debt, and he meets us exactly where we are. So I'm not belittling debt in any way, shape, or form, but Jesus is here on the bus and he's saying, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Probably more. Probably more. Ding, ding. Who wants to step on? Like here in Carlisle, we have a thing called CAP based at St. Paul's Church in Carlisle. They do a wonderful job. If you need to speak to a counsellor, you need to speak to a finance person, you can do that. You can speak to Phil, you can speak to me. I'm probably not going to be the best one to help you. I'll just point you in other directions as well. But I'm just letting you know today, you are not alone. And debt is not going to have the last word on your life or your finances. Okay, so... um, The other cul-de-sac that Jesus moves around to, and we're not going to hang around in this cul-de-sac very long, is the cul-de-sac called greed. I haven't moved over here because I think you're greedy. I think you're very kind. I just fancied a little wonder. But the thing about greed is this. Greed is not who you are. You're not who you are. God didn't intend you to be greedy. Like the little tiny life there. God didn't say, oh, I can't wait for him to grow up greedy. See, the reason that people get greedy, it's not because of greed. It's often because of something else. And sometimes it's not, it comes out as greed, but actually it's just that sense of, I feel alone. I, I, I feel like an orphan. I, I've got maybe, a, yes, I have maybe got a mum, or maybe got a dad, maybe got an auntie and uncle, but I just feel alone. And it's a bit like you have this orphan heart, this orphan spirit there, and you're having to, to whatever comes into your hand, you, you're trying to grab hold of it and keep it because you're not quite sure if anybody's going to be there for you. And so some people may go, oh, you just look greedy, like grabbing and holding on tight. But I think God today wants to let you know that he's a good dad. And good dads, like Steph before, when you were leading that, 
And Steve, I love having the authority of the drums. We honour you for that. But when you were leading that before, just that sense of, wow, God is a good dad. He's not a distant headmaster, but he's a good dad. And good dads, it's their joy and their privilege to provide for their kids. So maybe this morning, God is just wanting to remind some of us here, I'm a good dad. I'm a good dad. And you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my kid. And I've got resources for you. He had you in mind before you were even born. He set things apart for you to spoil you with. Right now, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a way that I, when I have grandkids, and great-great-grandkids, because I'm going to live to 102, that'll be fun for you. <laughs> but I want to have pots of money where I can just spoil my grandkids and my great-great-grandkids. I want to have that. And if I'm saying that, and I'm plotting and scheming that, how much more? Ah, oh, how much more? Will God the Father have been doing that for you? To spoil you, to lavish you, to let you know that you are his and he is yours. So greed, it's not who you are. You know, one picture that I had in my preparation for this week. You know the Venus flytrap? Man, that's like a day of the trivet kind of thing. If the day of, see, oh, yeah, Andy, focus. Because what I was going to say was, if I designed uh, the Venus flytrap, does everybody know what a Venus flytrap is? Because obviously my hand gesture is going to be helping you, if not. Rhoda, can you show us what a Venus flytrap is? Yeah, it's that little tiny green plant that if a little insect or anything comes and lands on it, then it goes, goes, and it just eats it. If I was going to design it, I'd design it like the size of a house or something like that. But that's why I'm probably not involved in designing stuff. But anyways, the Venus flytrap can also sometimes be a picture of us and our relationship with God. We are there as a Venus flytrap and we're just standing there with our arms open wide, our mouths open wide, waiting. And this ganky little insect, half dead, no juices left in it, comes along and lands in it. And then suddenly we go, vroom, and become tight and closed. Sometimes, and the picture God gave me for that was about God was saying, you've closed your hand too quick. And you're holding on to the, what I've given you. But actually, I want to give you more. I want to give you more. So how do we get over greed? Give away what you got. Give away what you've got. See, we as God's kids are meant to mimic and mirror him. He is open-handed towards us. And so we are open-handed towards others. So this Venus flytrap, where we just grabbed hold of that little tiny thing, and God's saying, I've got so much more for you. But you need to open your hand, open your heart, and give away what you've got first. So, if you've been in a cul-de-sac, and whether it's greed or just having this thing of insecurity and an orphan heart, where you're like, I've got to provide for myself, 
I've got to save really hard because nobody else is going to be there for me. Then God is inviting you out of that onto the bus, onto the street called generous. I am. Um, let me just read to you, and, uh, and I'm going to skip a couple of cul-de-sacs. Um, but let me just read to you from Deuteronomy. This is just this, um, it's just a beautiful picture of, um, of what God is actually like. It says this. Yeah, I'm wondering that as well. Was it whereabouts? Um, oh, here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 31. Start at um, verse 30. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. So this is not just talk we're doing this morning. But God is literally wanting to take us from these different cul-de-sacs and take us to a new place. A street called Generous. A street that has got enough to bless the city with. See, at the very core and the DNA of who we are is that we are blessed to be a blessing. And sometimes when we talk about money, there needs to be a pruning that goes on in our hearts. And I remember a few years ago, there was a street in Carlisle, and it just so happens to be called Heart Street, and um, just around the corner from you guys. And these trees once were huge, massive, big lads. And then the council came round, and it looked... Do you remember, Jan? Yeah, and they came round, and it didn't look anything like pruning. It looked like mass murder of the tree kind. And I'm like, what? This leafy suburb street has just been eaten by the massive fly trap. Oh, you should live in my head. It's amazing. Right now, like, this massive fly trap, tree eaters just come along like that. And these trees were hardly anything left. And I'm like, I think you've overdone it. But you know what? The next year... Man, the colour, the life that came from that pruning was incredible. So I think God, amongst some of us, I know for Ro and I, that God in regards to finances wanted to do some pruning. There's going to be some cuts going on. But that's because he sees fruit. And that's he has blessing for us. Two things to finish. I'm going to tell a story about a friend and then I'm going to read from the Bible. Um, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine and um, he's one of the kindest people I've ever met. Like he really is really kind. He lives down um, Manchester way. He is successful now in just about everything he touches. It, it's amazing. But there was a moment in his life where everything had gone wrong. He, he'd loved Jesus. 
but he'd never really tithed, he'd never really seen money, anything else, apart from something to spend and to build on. And things went wrong. And he'd been um, duped, and somebody had taken what he'd had. And that was the worst point in his life, financially. But God was speaking to him. And you know what God was speaking to him about at that point, in that season of his life, where he just had nothing? Tithing. God kept speaking to him about, set aside some of what comes in, and I want you to give it to me. And this guy's like, you do know what's just happened to me. You do know what's happened. But God would not let him go. And God kept speaking, speaking, speaking to him. So he made a choice and he said, okay, God, I'm going to see whatever you give, actually it's not mine at all. It's yours. And there was a shift in his life and he was in that moment there where he didn't just become someone who had money, but he became someone who handled God's money. So he became a steward there in that moment. And he said, okay, God, I may be a steward, I may have an open hand, but it's not my money anymore. Ever since that moment, God has blessed that man to a surprising extent. And that would be his words. This is not a weird prosperity type thing I'm talking about, where it's all about bling bling. But this is talking about when Jesus is our master. And money no longer tells us who we are or what we do. But money becomes our servant. There's a passage in Scripture in Malachi. And um, on first reading of it, it, um, it sounds fairly brutal. But let me just read the whole part of it. And this is a, a, it's kind of God saying to his people, um, come back. Come back to me. You've wandered, you've been away, but come back to me. And the people say, well, well I do come back. I sing. I, 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 we worship you. And God's like, like your lips are moving, but your hearts haven't shifted. Like, your lips are there, your lips are making a noise, but your hearts are far from me. And then he goes on to say this. I am the Lord, I do not change. That is why your descendants of Jacob's are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean when you say, um, when did we ever cheat you? And God says this, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Bring all your tithes to the storehouse. So there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great 
you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and diseases. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight. So God is not interested in your 10%. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. So today, as we wrap up, or we start afresh, I've got nothing else to say to you. Would you just come back to God with all that you are and with all that you have? whether it's your debt or your abundance, would you come back to him to live open-handed, open-eyed, open-hearted lives, ready for him to pour into us so we can pour out to those around us.